0: Thank you, Gabe, for that reading. I think that young man's had some training. You notice how he gave you the the reference twice and then he waited till you got there that uh, That's what we need. We need more training. seems like a good day, good thing, good way to talk about moms. Happy Mother's Day. Yeah, I hope you appreciate this for what it is. It's always my honor and my privilege to to get up here and to talk to you about the Word of God, but especially this morning because this lesson is centered around moms. And I have two disclaimers to start with. I hope that doesn't sound bad, but I think these are good disclaimers. Number one, we are here to worship God, are we not? Amen. But what a better way to worship God than to consider... The profound influence of what he's done for us in giving us moms. I say again, what better way to worship God than talking about mothers in the profound way they've influenced. I don't know exactly how I worded it, but you, you see where I'm going with this? I mean, how can you think about moms and not think about God? That's, that's my first disclaimer. Yes, we're worshiping God. We're talking about moms and everything I say about God or everything I said about moms is is reflection on God because moms are created in God's image. The man and the woman were created in his image and everything he has built into her comes from himself. And so what we see in our blessed mothers and grandmothers and great-grandmothers is reflection of the grace and mercy, the compassion, the, the love and kindness, the tenderness and the strength of Almighty God. It all comes from him. Second disclaimer, I'm aware that not everybody had a great mom. You might be thinking about your mom and thinking, well, you know, Marty's talking about a lot of qualities of moms that my mom did not have. Well, bless your heart. I'm sorry. But there's only one reason you're here. You came out of a woman. (laughs) She gave you life. Think about that. God's design for a young woman to have within her the beginnings of life, conception, and how that microscopic joining of sperm and seed come to be you, we cannot fathom. It's too great for our minds to to really get wrapped around. I know we we can watch videos about it and look up. Anybody remember what an encyclopedia is? Yeah, you can read about it in an encyclopedia. That's like a foreign language I think today, but you can Google it. That's what you do. Google it and you'll see all the details of how fearfully and wonderfully made we are. And that all happened inside a woman. It was like Chuck Norris said, said I too was once a man trapped in a woman's body, but my mom gave birth and here I am. So I thought that pretty funny considering the circumstances we're in today. But those are my two disclaimers. Yes, we're worshiping God as we talk about moms all the way. I hope nobody ever would come to doubt that. And yes, I know not everybody's mom was perfect. But hey, your mother had to embody some of the things we're looking at today. And she certainly is responsible for the life that she's given you. So let's talk about moms. That text from... Genesis chapter 3. By the way, this is, this is after the sin. This is after God has pronounced the, the punishments for Satan and the punishments for man and the punishments for Eve. And it says that the man called his wife's name Eve. Why? Because she was a mother of all living and that's what that word means, Eve, life. In the Greek language, the word is Zoe. Zoe, you meet a girl named Zoe, her name is life. These words mean something, and Eve was life. But she wasn't just life in the physical sense. And When you think about what your mom has done for you and the influence she's had on your life, what, what has she done to make your life what it is today? There's a profoundness there, and I am at a loss as to how to properly uh, address this in, in a sermon. There's no way to do that because it's huge. It's massive. How many things do we say about mothers? Like the hand that rocks the cradle does what? It rules the world. We know that because there is the truth to that. And Eve was the first one, mother of all living. And that life is more than physical, that life is spiritual, that life is emotional, that life has a quality to it because of our moms. And moms are what we go back to all the time. How many of us have heard or read about soldiers on the battlefield when wounded and in fear and dire straits, they cry out for mom? Even on the battlefield, you'll hear men call for their mother. Now, dads, that shouldn't hurt our feelings. No soldier ever cried out, oh, Dad, I know we giggle at that, don't we? Because it's what? No, it doesn't work that way. Dads are a, a different animal. They're needed just as much as moms, but moms are the one that's at the center of our heart. She's the one we look to for the comfort, for the grace, for the mercy. We'll we'll talk about that more as as we go on, because there's there's so much to that that I want to address, and I think this is touched on in the scriptures. And there's there's no one in the world that you have a more intimate relationship than your mom. Because she carried you in her body for nine months or however many months it was. Maybe you were a premium, and you didn't get the whole nine months. But she carried you and she gave birth one way or the other. You came out that birth canal or you were cut out of her belly. I'm sorry, that sounded gross, didn't it? But if you think about it, what mother has ever given birth without pain? That scripture addresses that. It talks about the, the the pain of and travail of childbirth gives vent to joy. It results in joy at the birth of a child, and that's the way moms are. They don't resent it. They don't regret it. They don't slap you around with it. That's what moms do. There's no harder job. There's more, no more challenging job, and there's probably no more thankless underappreciated job than the job that mothers do and yet the impact that they have not just on our lives but on our communities and on the world terribly profound mother what part of speech is that well that's a noun isn't it mother or is it a verb Oh, it's a verb. We know how mothers mother. They hover and they mother sometimes. That's good. We want them there. We want them to be there when you're little. And when you're old, you want your mom. I remember getting the call. Mom was gone. She was 87 years old. Wow. She'd been around for a while. And we knew it was coming. It wasn't like it was a shock. But it was a shock. Because she was my mom. And that's the way it is. The connection we have with our mothers. You get that call. And it goes deep. This idea of mothering being a verb. To me speaks of what God put into moms. Everything they do comes from him. The nurturing, the loving, the compassion, all that they show, all that they do, comes to us from God. The one who is the mother of all living passed on this life-giving detail of her existence. And moms are still giving life in so many different ways. And whatever we talk about with regard to her, we're talking about that. Regarding God. If you look at Isaiah chapter 66. Isaiah speaks of. God. Or God speaks through Isaiah. I should say it that way. As though he is going to be. The mother of his people. Think about that. Isaiah chapter 66. By the way. Isaiah was a prophet that God sent to Israel. When they were facing the burden of war, captivity. And this is what God says the message of what's going to come after all of the hardship and all of the difficulty. Isaiah chapter 66 and verse 7. Before she travailed, she brought forth. Before her pain came, she gave birth to a boy. Who's heard of such a thing? Who's seen such things? What's he asking? What's he saying? He's talking about the, the birth happening before the travail and the pain. Well, that's not the way it works, is it? Doesn't a mother normally have the pain and the travail and, and the wrestling and struggling and finally there's a birth? That's what we were talking about a little while ago. But this is God talking to us about the birth comes and then the travail and then the pain, then the hardship and the difficulty. What's he talking about? Read on with me. Verse 8. Can a land be born in one day? Can a nation be brought forth all at once? As soon as Zion travailed, she also brought forth her sons. Shall I bring to the point of birth and not give delivery, says the Lord? Or shall I who gives delivery shut the womb, says your God? Be joyful with Jerusalem and rejoice for her, all you who love her. Be exceedingly glad with her, all you who mourn over her. That you may nurse and be satisfied with her comforting breasts that you may suck and be delighted with her bountiful bosom. For thus says the Lord, Behold, I extend peace to her like a river and the glory of the nations like an overflowing stream, and you will be nursed. You will be carried on the hip and fondled on the knees as one whom his mother comforts. So I will comfort you, and you will be comforted in Jerusalem. What's he talking about? He's talking about the restoration of the nation to their land. Something that had never been heard of before. Cyrus, and this goes back to chapter 44 of Isaiah. Cyrus will send the Israelites back after how many years? After 70 years of captivity in Babylon. Cyrus will take over Babylon and he will send the Israelites back. And that's what God is talking about. A nation being born. How did the nation come to be at first? Well, you know, he called Abraham and he said, you're going to have a son. And it was 25 years later that Abraham and Sarah had a son. Abraham was 100 years old. The Hebrew writer speaks a little bit bluntly. Says him as good as dead. (laughs) Had a child. And his wife was 90. Imagine 90. And I, I see some of you shaking your heads. No, no, don't want to go there. That's how God started this nation. And now he says, We're going to have a nation born all over, but it's going to be born, and the travail and the, and the giving birth will come later. I'm going to bring my people back all at once. Boom, we got a nation in Jerusalem. You read Isaiah, uh, not Isaiah, you read Nehemiah, you read Ezra, you read the history of, of Cyrus sending the Israelites back and the reestablishment of, of the Israelite nation in Jerusalem. Why was that? Because God was going to bring forth another nation eventually through his son, Jesus Christ. That's what that was all about. And so he uses these terms of mothering to talk about how he's going to bless his people. How they're going to they're nurse. They're going to be, how did he put it? Carried on the hip and fondled on the knees. I remember when Debbie would, the kids were little and she'd get on her back and put the little, have her legs up in the air and put the kids on her knees and raise them up in the air junior bird man uh, you young moms you need to ask debbie how that goes because it kids loved it they just loved it that's what he's talking about that kind of of relationship and interaction between mom and child and god says that's what i'm going to do with you my people he speaks of himself as a mother in this case and we know god's our father he speaks of himself as a father but in this case he says talking to you about a mother and when you think about this, uh, this idea of a mother and God, it makes sense to think about her like that. Because when you think about the one aspect of our relationship with God, that is grace. Where do we learn grace from except through our moms? You know what grace is? Grace is when you're given something you don't deserve. That's grace. Now mercy is like it, but mercy is when punishment is withheld that is deserved. And our mothers, well, they're great at both. Grace, giving us things we don't deserve. How many things did your mom give you that you didn't deserve as you were growing up? How many times did I get to pull myself up at the table and eat? And I never did nothing. I was a liability. I, I, I didn't add anything to the family and, until I was old enough to cause trouble. Then I caused about as much trouble as I contributed. But still, every day... Get up, and there was food on the table. Lunchtime, food on the table. Supper time, food on the table. Need a snack at night? Oh, my mom made the best chocolate chip cookies. Oh, every year for my birthday, do you want another Boston cream pie? Well, duh, what else? Boston cream pie. It was just a given, and it wasn't like it was work for her. And that's the way moms are. You can't outgive God, but God built that same aspect of his own in the moms you can't outgive mothers. they are just constantly giving and doing and working towards your welfare all the time Of course i I always appreciated it as a youngster. I want you to know that yeah, yeah. if you're not giggling, you're not listening so when Paul Wrote to the churches of Galatia. I should have turned to Galatians chapter 4, because here he talks about, and this whole letter written to the church at Galatia is about them threatening to leave their relationship with Christ, where there was grace, where there was forgiveness, where there was mercy. They were going to leave that and go back to Judaism. And so Paul does this in chapter 4. He shows them that they have. A new mother in Christ, and that new mother is the covenant. Think about this. Galatians chapter 4, verse 21. Tell me, you who want to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? For it's written that Abraham had two sons, one by the bondwoman and one by the free woman. But the son of the bondwoman was born according to the flesh, and the son of the free woman through the promise. This is allegorically speaking, for these women are two covenants one proceeding from Mount Sinai, bearing children who are to be slaves. This is she's Hagar. And now this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she's in slavery with her children. But Jerusalem above, Jerusalem above, the new Jerusalem, as John writes about it, coming down from God out of heaven. The church, the new Jerusalem is free. She is our mother. For it's written, rejoice. Rejoice, barren women who uh, does not bear. Break forth and shout, you who are not in labor. For more numerous are the children of the desolate than of the one who has a husband. And you, brethren, like Isaac, are children of promise. We are the children of promise. That's what he tells the the saints at Galatia. Because they were given birth by this covenant. You are. Have a mother that gave birth to you. She raised you. She taught you. She trained you. And she taught you grace. And now God is saying the covenant of grace is also your mother. So you learn grace from your mom. And if you learn to appreciate that, then you'll learn to appreciate the covenant of grace that comes to us from God as he speaks to it to us as, as that covenant is our new mother. But the world doesn't appreciate moms. Have you noticed that? When Satan came to the garden, who did he attack? He attacked Eve. He came to Eve. He attacked her. Fooled her. Beguiled her. And because of that, sin came into the world. And mothers have been being attacked ever since. And womanhood. Manhood as well, but we're talking about womanhood today. And so, it's a crazy world where... Motherhood is demeaned, and if you're a stay-at-home mom, pfft, what are you doing? That's what people used to say and still say about stay-at-home moms. There's no more important job in the world than to be a stay-at-home mom, and yet the world says, ah, it's all about this. If you're not making money, you're nothing. Our, both our daughters heard that. Thank God they didn't believe it. And I'm not. this is not anything about against having a, a job outside the home. You read Proverbs 31. That woman was working outside the home all the time. But the focus that God always puts. And he put it on the the woman in Proverbs 31 too. Was the home. That's the focus. The woman's focus. Has got to be the home. The mom's focus. Has got to be the home. Whatever else she might do. That's where the focus is. And that's what society and the devil. Are trying to take away from us. So home Is there a more important concept to us than home? What is God providing for us eternally? But a home. And if we didn't have this idea of home already embedded in us based on our moms and her influ- and their influence, why would it be important to us to have a home in heaven? That's another thing I noticed. As long as mom was alive, Returning to West Virginia, I would say, was returning home. I grew up in a house that she and dad built. I mean, they literally built it. They didn't contract somebody to build it. They built it. I remember as a six-year-old looking up, and my mom is up there between the rafters, and she was ambidextrous. Now, that's not a religion that they have back in West Virginia. <laughs> ambidextrous just means that you can, you can saw or hammer with, with either hand, and she was up there working with dad she was a capable woman and she wasn't afraid to get her hands dirty she grew up working hard we've got a saying at our house rats and axes and that saying came from mom telling us stories of when she was little and and one time when she was now i can't remember she was eight or she was 12 i think she was eight but grandpa had her out working in the field cutting brush with an axe and the axe slipped and went into her knee and he pulled it out and soaked it with turpentine wrapped it up with a rag and she went back to work that's That's the way things were. She was born in 1922, so she would have been, well, you see the time. It was a different time. And that woman became my mom, and she worked hard, built that house. And you would think because they built that house that that house would mean something to me. But once mom was gone, that's, that's not home anymore. Because home is where? Home is where your mom is. That's just the way it is. You want to go home, you go where mom is that's the way God made him. God gives us pictures in the scripture of the way things are. He says this, Psalm 113. If you want to go back there and read that with me. He says he makes the barren woman abide in the house as a joyful mother of children. That's Psalm 113, but that's not all of it. I want to read the whole of it because there's, there's more to it than just that. And I didn't mark it. I should have marked it, Marty. Let's see, Psalms, Proverbs, right? Psalm 113. Take a look with me here at the last five verses. Last, Well, starting at verse 5. Who is like the Lord our God who is enthroned on high, who humbles himself to behold the things that are in heaven and in the earth? He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap, to make them sit with princes, with the princes of his people. He makes the barren woman abide in the house as a joyful mother of children. Praise the Lord. Now, that you read that and you think, well, sure, make some mother abide in the house as a joyful mother of children. But what's he talking about? You look at verse 5. Who's like the Lord? That's the question. Who is like the Lord on high? Nobody's like the Lord on high. Well, how do you know nobody's like the Lord on high? Because of all these things, and, and all of them included, who is it who can make... A woman abiding in the house as a joyful mother of children. This is the picture of home life that he gives us here. A woman abiding in the home with children. Again, another text of scripture, Psalm 128. A little further down the line. This is what he says here in the first four verses. Psalm 128, one through four. How blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. When you shall eat the fruit of your hands, you'll be happy and it will be well with you. Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine within your house, your children like olive plants around your table. Behold, for this shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. Where's the rest of the stuff? Of the, where's the gold and the silver? Where's the riches? Where's the power? What is God pointing us to for peace and happy? Happy. Hap, happy. Happy. For peace and happiness and prosperity. That's what happy is. Happy, happy is prosperity and happiness altogether. That's, that's a Jerusalem. I think I haven't had one of those in a long time. But look at the picture he's drawing for us. This isn't a picture. He said, you, you want to be blessed of God? You'll have lots of money and lots of stuff and lots of power and lots of friends and everybody will love you. No, this is what he says. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children like olive plants around your table. And what? better picture is there of happiness than that and i know we talk about mother's mother mothers don't just mother their own children have you noticed that mother's mother all the children and if you really want to be mothered you need to be a single guy in the military off station somewhere and you'll get mothered by a lot of mothers and you don't even have to ask it'll just happen to you and you don't even have to be in the military you don't have to be off somewhere all you need to be is a single guy And you'll be mothered. And she'll be finding you a wife. (laughs) All you single guys know that this is true. And why is that? Because they want you to be happy too. She's not trying to steer you towards riches and gold and and prosperity and power. She's trying to steer you towards a relationship with a woman that will result in what we're talking about here. Only a mom can do that. Well... These are just a few things that I wanted to say this morning. And in closing, I want to talk about what do we do? What do we do with this honoring our moms? Well, a couple of passages we'll look at. These are from Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 1. This is Solomon starting starting Proverbs. And this is what he says, chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Indeed, they are a graceful wreath to your head and ornaments about your neck. Your mom ever teach you anything? Oh, yeah. I knew my mom did because she constantly reminded me of it. She'd say, Marty Kessler, haven't I told you? And, Marty Kessler, don't you know better? Except it's usually Marty Joe. That's when I knew I was in trouble. But Solomon is saying, this is him starting Proverbs. And he says, starting Proverbs, this is the wisdom of God. Remember what your father taught you and remember what your mother taught you. It's going to be like a graceful wreath to your head and ornaments about your neck. One more text from Proverbs chapter 6 verses 20 and 21, 22. This is what Solomon says. My son, observe the commandment of your father and do not forsake the teaching of your mother. Bind them continually on your heart. Tie them around your neck. When you walk about, they'll guide you. When you sleep, they'll watch over you. When you wake, they'll talk to you. That's the absolute truth. You hang on to what your mom taught. You know what the, the commandment was about honoring father and mother? Honor your father and mother. And that's a commandment with a promise that you may live long. Now, we might think, well, that's Old Testament, but Paul brought it up in Ephesians, and he said it still applies. Honor your mom and your dad. Want to live life a long time? Honor your mom, honor your father. Honor your parents, and you'll live a long life. That's what the text of Scripture says. That's the truth of God. So today, you want to honor your mom? You can buy her flowers. You can buy her candy. You can go see her, take her out to eat, whatever it is. But what's your mom really want? You ever ask her? You can do that. No law against it. You can ask your mom, Mom, if I could really make you happy, what would you like for me to do? Oh, I know that's a heavy thing put on you this morning, isn't it? Going out to lunch. Those of you who are going to buy your mom's lunch. I'm not going to ask how many of you moms are making your own lunch today and having your family over to feed them because you're a mom. But that's happening too. But you think about that. You really want to honor your mom. Ask her. Probably she's going to say something like, You stayed close to the Lord, you keep the faith. You worship with God's people. You make the sacrifices you need to make to grow yourself up in Christ. You do whatever it takes to make it to heaven because your mom's planning on being there and she wants you there and there's nothing more important to her than you. All the things in the world, all the things in the universe, nothing is more important to your mom than you. She didn't kill you growing up. She let you live. You know what they say about grandchildren? Those are the rewards for not killing your children. (laughs) That's the way that works. So we'll close with that this morning. Ask your mom. Mom, if I can honor you, what can I do? That's what we'd ask God, isn't it? How would you like to honor me, God? And He'll tell us. She'll tell us. So we're going to stand and sing a song of encouragement and invitation. I I know this has not been the kind of a lesson where the, the, the gospel is preached, but what good news is it that God made moms? He put himself in them, and now they've done all these things for us. And here we are today. There's a covenant that we mentioned. If you'd like to be part of that covenant, if you'd like for that covenant to be your mom, God wants you to do that through his son, Jesus Christ. We'd like to talk to you about that. So if you have any needs this morning, we're going to stand this thing for you. Just come forward and let us know how we can help.